Well, good morning, everybody. So glad that you're at church today. And uh, today's a great day to be in church. And, uh, you know, I I really love that we get to gather and that we get to fellowship, be together. I believe that uh, that when we are together, that we actually are stronger and it makes us better. And, uh, you know, and so that's the purpose of our gathering. And so we want to welcome you. If this is your first time, welcome. Hope that you feel uh, welcomed and comfortable and everything. I'd love the opportunity. Me and some of the team will be out there after church. We'd love just to get to connect with you and, and so even if you're online, hey, welcome this morning. And we're so thankful that you've joined us as well. And so glad that you're a part of the family this morning. And uh, so today I want to get into a new series that we're going to be on for the next couple of weeks. And, and I'm calling it Legacy. And uh, it's really with the idea of living beyond ourselves. And uh, because the truth is, is that we're all going to leave a legacy. We're all, we all have... Uh, a thought or something that we're going to leave behind when we leave. People are going to have a thought. They're going to remember certain things. And many times, uh, I believe that when we start talking about legacy, I, I don't know if it's just human nature or what it is, but typically we start thinking about a funeral. Like, you know, I, I've been at, uh, because of what I do, I've been around a lot of funerals and, uh, it's amazing the conversations that get had, you know, when someone passes away and we, so we start talking about, you know, even people start getting very reflective on their own life and they're like, Oh, my grandfather or my dad or, and they start even reflecting on their own spiritual life uh, in those moments. And like, man, he was a man of God. I know that, you know, and it's amazing to me because people don't all typically don't know me, but how honest they are. And they're like, you know, I know I'm not doing what I should and all this and granddad and dad and mom and all, these, you know, and I really should do better. And, and it's amazing to me how people start thinking about it in those moments. But. Uh, you know, the truth is, though, about legacy and what is a legacy is that it's a it's a legacy to me as a future without me that is still influenced by me. I'll say that again, is that legacy is about a future that is without me, but that is still influenced by me. And I think that we need to live life through this lens of thinking about a future and not just a future in this life, but our future. How many of you know that there is life beyond this one? And the Bible says that we can have a legacy even in eternity. But what I do here affects my legacy there. Right? And we all have a legacy. And we're living it out in reality is that, you know, we can hope and pray that one day we have a good legacy. But how many of you know, we better start not just hoping and praying, but we better start doing some things to live out the legacy that we want to be remembered by. And so, you know, and even in the ideas that legacy is not just the inheritance that we leave, the natural things, it's also who we leave. And who has been impacted. And it's not just in our own families. Sometimes it's in our co-workers. Sometimes it's in those around us. Sometimes it is with our family. But we leave people behind. And, and hopefully we have left them better because we were a part of their life. That would be the goal. You know, the ultimate goal. And so, you know, and here's the thing is that if we're not intentional about this, we can either choose our legacy or it can be just chosen for us. Because we never made decisions to decide, this is what I want to be known for. You know, a number of years ago, uh, I was listening to some podcasts and different things. And there were several guys about my age who had all lost their dads. Uh, and they were t- talking about their dad. And so then that kind of spawned me thinking about my dad. And then all these types of thoughts are going on. And I begin to think of the things that I really respected about my dad and what I would say at his funeral. And then the thought came to me, like, why would I wait To tell everybody else what I admired about my dad. Why wouldn't I just tell him now? 
And so there was one night we were sitting, it was over at his house and we're sitting on the back porch and patio and we're just sitting there chit-chatting. I said, hey dad, I, I got a couple things I want to just share with you. I said, you know, and I told him what I just told you. And I said, I want to tell you what I respect most about you. And there's two main things, you know, and, you know, and I shared those with him, which number one was that he thinks the best of everybody. He really does. He, I mean, he's just the most grace giving, you know, kind of person. Somebody messes up. He's like, oh, they're doing their best. They'll get it figured out. And I'm just kind of like, dad, they're stupid. Like, you know, but he's like, they're just, you know, they're trying, they're trying, they're trying, you know, just always giving grace and just, you know, and the other side and the other thing, which is actually what we're going to be looking at is really in the area of generosity, uh, is that I really, uh, I, I really respect that about both of my parents that, um, that I grew up in a place, uh, and in a home where that was normal, like generosity was normal. It wasn't just taught, it was modeled. We were expected to participate in it. Um, you know, and, and so there are some things, and so I've kind of have picked up this legacy of my parents. Uh, is I want to live out their legacy, and I want to continue that legacy of my parents. And, you know, uh, I think it was two Father's Days ago, I had my dad come, and uh, he, he sat on the platform with me, and I asked questions, and we talked about this and that. And here was, the, and this will tell you a lot. Every member of my family were shocked that my dad did not talk about giving one time. They're like, I can't believe that, that you didn't have him talk about that because he talks about it so much. My dad's not a, a minister. He's, he's in the business world. He's a salesman. But my dad's desire and passion is to fund the gospel. My dad would probably be retired today if it wasn't for that. But he knows as long as he works that he can give. You know, and, and my parents didn't come for money at all. My parents, even as young, we didn't have a lot. But the one thing that I know about my parents, and even to this day, my parents have, have, have been done well. And they're successful in life and these types of things. But I can remember my parents looking for change in the house just to give in the offering. And we didn't have money. But the thought of there being an offering that they wouldn't give in just was beside them. They just couldn't fathom that. And so they thought, man, if I could just bring some change that I could find at the house, at least I'm participating in what God is doing. And so when I'm sharing these things, I need you to understand something. Some of you get uncomfortable when I talk about money. I'm not uncomfortable talking about it at all. Because I grew up in a house where it was normal. Where we, there was just an understanding that, that everything that we have really is a blessing from the Lord. And that it all belongs to Him. And that I'm a steward of everything that God brings into my life. And, and so some of you are already nervous. Some of you maybe not, but some of you already are. You're like, oh gosh, why did I have to come to church today? The reason that I can teach this with such uh, really passion and authority is because I've seen what I'm about to teach you work. I've seen it change my family. I watched my parents live a life of faith in the good times, the hard times, the lean times, the prosperous times. I mean, I remember as a kid seeing my dad write a check going, you know what I could buy with that, sir? 
You told me no yesterday, but that wasn't nothing compared to that check. You couldn't just slice me off a little piece here. God would understand. But yet my parents have this understanding. And to this day, I believe that my parents actually have what the Bible calls is a gift of giving. Which some people are like, well, that sounds terrible. Let me reword it. That some people have a gift to make and acquire money for the purpose of funding the gospel. Now you're like, oh, I'll take some of that. It's called the gift of giving. It's actually a grace on your life. And you're like, well, I don't have that. Maybe you do, but you've never tapped into it. See, when we live according to scriptures, it really does affect our life. Let me show you some scriptures here. Because there, this is a... Um, well, let me say this as well, because my parents, I would say there's really three things that I would say that I believe that God has blessed my parents in. Number one, they were committed to the house of God. In other words, they showed up. They were at church and I was at church. You know, me and Derek were talking here recently. I'm one of three and my dad was a traveling salesman, so he was gone a lot. My dad was gone pretty much 50% of my upbringing. Uh, he traveled a lot. At one time, he was like in 13 states and selling equipment all over the nation. And so uh, he sells equipment to the oil field. So wherever they're drilling, that's where he is, you know. And um, and, and so my mom, in, in a lot of ways, raised us by herself half the time. And my mom was involved in the church. My mom played the piano for probably 40 years. Only in the last year or two has she not been able to do that because of some uh, physical challenges. But my mom wasn't just at church. We were early. Like when I got in trouble at church, my mom would be sitting up here playing like this. And I'd be back there acting a fool. My friends would be like, hey, your mom's looking at you. And then I'd get the finger. And that meant come up here and sit. So that was the walk of shame. Because I slowly made my way up there and I sat on the piano bench with her. was awesome i had that kind of mama you know what i'm saying like and that wasn't the end of it that was just the we'll talk later and don't you act a fool right here because i'll i'll knock you on the floor just you know like oh praise the lord you know kind of that was my mom you know and uh it, you know, but, but they were committed to the house of God. I mean, they really were. Uh, I mean, we kind of, this is actually, a, you, you could ask him this. Pastor Sam, who's here very often, is my pastor. My parents have been a part of that church for over 40 years. He would actually say that my mom, her name is Sue. He said, Sue has been to more church services than I have in the last 40 years. And he's probably right. And my dad, when he's in town, we were at church. Like it wasn't, are we going to go to church? It was, we're going to church. Like it's not an option. And so, so they were committed to the house of God. They served. My mom would serve in music. My dad served in different areas of the church. They were involved, but they were also committed to being involved financially. And my parents are a a really living proof of Psalms 92. And it says this, those who are planted in the house of God will flourish. Well, how, how, how do I develop? How do I grow? You got to plant yourself. Set some roots in. Build some relationships. Develop your spiritual giftings and abilities. Why? Because in that there is prosperity. There is blessing. And our finances are a part of that. 
But it many times is a big part. Why? Because we would rather serve than we would give of our money. Why? Because money costs you something. And so I want to share a few things with you this morning, and we'll be kind of unpacking this over the next couple of weeks. But here in Matthew chapter 6, verse 19, it says this. It says, don't store up treasures here on earth. This is a familiar passage of scripture for many of you. It says, where moth eat them and rust destroys them, and where thieves break in and steal. He says, store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Where moth and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will be also. In other words, your desires follow your money, not the other way around. It's just true. Make an investment in a company and all of a sudden you're going to be a lot more interested in that company or that stock or whatever it may be. Why? Because you've put some money there. Right? I mean, it's true. It doesn't matter what it is. But where our money goes, that's what's important to us. And the Bible tells us here, hey, don't only, it doesn't say, hey, you can't have anything. I'm going to show you this here in a little while. Sometimes I think we think that God doesn't want us to have anything. But that's not what the scriptures say. He He doesn't mind us being blessed. He just doesn't want those things having us. And there's a big difference. And so when we, but when we live this way, when we live with this mindset of, hey, I want to live laying up treasure in heaven. Why? Because I want a legacy one day when I get to heaven. I don't want the Lord to look at my life and be like, well, it's a good shot. Good try. God, can I get a do over? I would do it very, very differently. I actually think that we will be blown away when the Lord reveals the worth of our life and the value because we're going to be blown away by the people that we impacted and the random stranger that we did something to, said something to, and all of a sudden it changed their life and we never knew about it. I think we'll be blown away when we see that. But you know, another area that that can be true of is in the area of our finances. And it says here, don't store up treasures on earth, but store them in heaven. And so one of the things that happens... That I believe is a principle that when we actually begin to invest in the kingdom of God, number one, it brings peace to our finances. How many of you need some financial peace? You need a little, you need some help in the area of your finances. That's okay. I know the God of all peace. And if I'll invite him into my finances, he can bring some stability to my life. But it also brings purpose to my work. Why do I do the things that I do? Why do I have to get up tomorrow morning? Because, man, I don't want to go to work. No, but I want to be generous. And if I don't go to work, I don't get a paycheck, right? If I don't get a paycheck, I'm not going to be able to be generous. See, most of us go to work so that we can exist. That's the entry level, lowest level of life. I just want to pay my bills. And look, and you may be in that place, and I've been in that place more times than I'd like to admit. But there is a higher place to live than just taking care of me. And my family and my responsibilities. And we ought to do those things. But how many of you know that we serve a God who is not just the God of enough. He is the God of more than enough. It's a God that says, hey, I will meet your needs and some. Why? Because he desires for us to be generous. Why? Because generous people are better people. Selfish people are miserable people. I don't know what it is that when I, whenever I start thinking about um, teaching or, or preaching along the lines of money, I always think I'm going to be, this may come across a little harsh, 
And then I get to thinking about it. I'm like, well, it kind of is that probably every week. And yet you still come. I'm a little direct. I'm a little to the point. It's just who I am. So apparently you can handle it. So kudos to you, right? Some of you are like, I don't know. I ain't coming back. No, but we can actually bring purpose into the area of our finances. And so here's what I want you to understand is that there's actually a connection between your spiritual life and your financial life. They are not separate. There is a connection. Why? Because your heart follows your finances. Well, where does God work in us? It's in our heart. So there is a connection here. Now, it doesn't mean that, well, just because you give a lot makes you spiritual. I don't believe that at all. But one of the things that I have learned and seen to be true is that as we grow and as we mature, the things of the, of the world become less important to us. And the things of the kingdom of God, that which matters to God, becomes more important to us. And therefore, our money will begin to go that way. Now, let me just give you a little disclaimer. I'm not asking you to give a dime today. If you have an issue with what you may perceive as my motive, please keep your money. And I mean that sincerely. I really do. For lack of seeing ungracious or unkind, if you think my motives are off, go give your money to somebody else. But all I'm doing is communicating the word of God to you. This isn't my words. These are the words of of the Lord. And and so you're like, well, you know, how can I say that, that there's a connection between my spiritual life and my financial life? Because number one, Jesus, but also the Bible talks more about money and possessions than any other topic. Apparently, it's a big deal. And apparently, we have this propensity, this leaning in us towards And I'm going to use a word that's really not popular towards idol worship. And we worship things. I went back yesterday, actually, because I wanted to see it. Uh, We have security cameras. If you don't know this, we're watching you. (laughs) We be watching everything. And uh, so I went back last night and I wanted to look at the footage from when about 10.05 last Saturday night. We had a few gentlemen up here who were watching the game, and I wanted to see the response. I mean, I saw some jumping and some high-fiving, a couple hugs. It's kind of funny. I almost showed it to you, but it wasn't a great video. The camera angle I wanted, it wasn't there. I'm like, dang. No, but see, sometimes we can get so excited about natural things And there's nothing wrong with natural things. There's really not. God wants us to what? The Bible says he gives us things to richly enjoy them. But it's just got to be kept in perspective. It's got to be kept in the right lanes. And so, you know, um, so in verse 24 of Matthew 6, Jesus makes this statement. He says that no one can serve two masters. No one. So I know this is not what you came to hear today. You're going to serve something. And it's not yourself. As much as we think. I know we're Americans. I got my freedoms and I got my rights and I got all these things. And 
Glory to God. America! You know, I get it. But Jesus says here, Jesus Messiah, not not David, Jesus. No one can serve two masters. For you'll hate one and love the other. You'll be devoted to one and despise the other. He says, you cannot serve God. This is even more powerful language. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. See, Jesus starts off by saying, this is particular translation, says you can't serve two masters, but he says, look, you're either going to serve God willingly or you'll be enslaved to money. Would you rather be a servant or a slave? The choice is ours. Because we're going to serve one or the other. See, if we submit our money to God, money will serve us. In other words, I call the shots. Money's not telling me what to do. I'm not overly driven to go and make money or to do things or to have stuff. Because see, many times we put even our enjoyment and even the quality of our life, we relate that to the stuff that we have. Well, if I could just get this, if I could just have that, when I get this, I'll be happy. If I could just get to this pay scale, if I could just get to this level... Kind of a funny story, but my dad tells us a lot. But he says, you know, I can remember, he could remember, which my dad has a pretty amazing testimony about, you know, many of you don't know this, but my dad started selling in the oil field in 1982. Some of you know why that was significant, because the oil field went bankrupt in 1982. My dad didn't sell a piece of equipment for 18 months. He couldn't buy lunch and would go sit underneath a tree and pray and say, God, I hope I've not made the wrong decision. I believe that you told me to do this, but this feels really stupid. And I've got a wife and three kids at home and I'm trying to sell equipment and ain't nobody doing nothing because there's no money to do anything. So people can look maybe at my parents today and be like, man, I wish I had that. How about that tree? How about not eating and praying? Asking for God to show up. See, that's my background. And having an understanding. But this is what my dad said. He, he, he told me some of this many times. He said, I can remember praying to make $70,000. And then he got there and he's like, man, if I could just make a hundred. Man, shoot, taxes are a lot. Maybe I need to make 125. And he says, you know, the thing that he had found, it was never enough. Never have enough money. It was always needed more. Always needed more. Always needed more. And he said, at some point, you just got to realize, I'm not serving money. But yet we can get caught up in success. And next week, I'm going to give you an illustration about the way the world defines this and the way the Bible defines what success looks like. And they're two different things. And so either we're going to submit our money to God and it can serve us. Or if we won't submit it to God, we'll serve money. And we're not making that choice intentionally. But And, and here's how you know what you're serving. You seek that which you serve. If you're serving money, it's always about going and getting more. And getting and doing more and having more and all of these things. If you're serving God, that's what you seek first. Seek first the kingdom of God. And all the stuff that the world wants, what? Will be given unto you. Seek first. What you seek tells you what you're after. 
In Luke chapter 12, starting at verse 13, somebody comes to Jesus and says, Teacher, please tell my brother to divide our father's estate with me. Jesus, tell him to give me my inheritance. And Jesus responds and says, Hey, I'm not the judge of this. In verse 15, he makes this statement. He says, beware and guard against every kind of greed. Beware, pay attention, guard against every kind of greed. Life is not measured by how much you own. I'm going to make kind of a heavy statement, warning. But what Jesus is communicating here. Said if we're actually not generous, we would lean and tend to be greedy. There's really not a lot of gray. There's not really a middle line. We're either going to lean one way or the other. And it's not just a line on a flat. It's more like a triangle. Here's, there's generosity and there's greedy. What is greed? It's, a, it's an unjust desire for more than you have. It's something in you. We all have it. Every single one of us. That we're not satisfied. It's not enough. We need, we need more. We need this. We need that. And it, I mean, we're, we're hardwired for selfishness. Every single one of us. There is no spiritual gift of selfishness. It's called flesh. And the last time I checked, we all have flesh. And there's nothing wrong with, with desiring Nicer things. I like nice stuff. But the problem comes in when that nice stuff now becomes my identity. That's really the root of it. Like if the Lord asked me for anything, could I give it? Now you can't give what you don't own. So, Because some people would be like, oh, the Lord told me to give my car away. I'm like, you still owe money on that car, don't you? <laughs> you can't give that car away. How can you say that the Lord told me to? Because it's not yours to give. It belongs to the bank still. Okay? Let me just help you there. Let me also give you a, uh, some wisdom here. Well, the Lord led me to give this money, but now I've got to go buy my groceries on credit. That's unwise. I just tell you that because I've done that before. In the guise of being spiritual. As opposed to saying, God, you said that you would give seed to the sower. And so I thank you. I'm not going to go into debt to try to be obedient to you. But you're going to give me the seed. So when you give me the seed, then I'll go make that. Why? Because now it requires my faith. Not my foolishness. And my foolishness has cost me. Moving along. Proverbs eleven twenty eight. It says, trust in your money and down you will go. It says, but the godly will flourish like leaves in spring. What a beautiful verse. Trust in your money and down you'll go. But the godly will flourish. Don't trust in your money, trust in your God. Because God can provide many ways. Many, many, many ways. I've seen God do things so many times. Matthew six twenty six says this. What do you benefit if you gain the whole world but yet you lose your soul? Is anything worth more than your soul? Let me just leave you with a thought right here. Your bank accounts can be filled, but your heart can be unfulfilled. You can have lots of zeros and commas in your bank account and yet be in your heart bankrupt. 
not fulfilled, not experiencing an abundant life. Because abundant life is not just financial. I mean, John 10, 10, the thief comes to steal, kill, and try. I've come that you would have life and have an abundant, full, vibrant life. Well, sometimes we think, well, if I just had more money, I'd solve all my problems. If you get more money, you'll have more problems. Amen. You're like, I don't believe that. Go do a little research. I mean, a Google search, two minutes. How many people win lottery and within two to five years are in way worse off than when they won the money? Like, it's a staggering percentage. I'll say it this way. The people that it actually changes their life in the better are the rarity. Like, it's less than 10% of people actually, and I think it's way less than that. I'm being very conservative when I say 10%. Like, oh, money will fix everything. No, it won't. Why? Because we're still broken. See, money doesn't, well, I'll say this. Money actually doesn't change people. It just reveals who we always were. I mean, it's easy to hide greed when you're broke. It's easy to hide selfish when you ain't got no money. Nobody even knows you're flying under the radar. Then all of a sudden you get some money. People are like, you've changed. No, you didn't change. You were always selfish and you were always greedy. The money just gave you the opportunity to show it. Let me get back to my notes. Sorry. Ain't you glad you came to church today? Go ahead and pull your toes in a little bit. You're like, what does that mean? I'm not trying to step on your toes, but you leave them out there. They might. They might. No, see, we need to live for something bigger than us. I want to leave a legacy, not just for my kids. Yeah, I want to do that. I want to leave an inheritance. I want to leave a natural inheritance. But what good is it if I left my kids $10 million, but left them no spiritual legacy at all? Did I really gain anything? No, I've actually probably hurt them. More than I've helped them. I mean, I can teach principles of of this and that, and how do you do this, and how do you do that. But what do I do when I've got questions that I can't answer, and and I don't know how to wrestle with my faith? I need to help my kids navigate those waters. Where was God when this happened? Like, I need to help my kids navigate those types of things. I need to teach my kids how to be generous. Generous. We're working on that right now. I mean, it's about to be the holiday season. Hey, kids, we need to clean out. You are ridiculously blessed. Maddeningly maddeningly blessed. Because your junk's everywhere. I don't want to. Mine, 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 mine. We all still have that in us, by the way. Every, you think that died when you were like four? No, you're 40. It's still there. I'm telling you, it, 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 if we don't fight against that, it's there. So here's the thing is that none of the stuff that we acquire, can we take with us? I've yet to do a funeral that the casket had a U-Haul attached to it. <laughs> Haven't seen it yet. I'm taking me and all my stuff with me. No, you ain't. 
I mean, I hear people that get buried with stuff and this and that, and I'm like, whatever, do whatever you want. I'm not even going to touch that. I'll really offend somebody. Ecclesiastes chapter 5 verse 15 says, this is Solomon, by the way, who had crazy amounts of considered to be the wealthiest man to ever live on the planet. He says, and he's kind of in a downward spiral a little bit as he writes this. He's like, this is meaningless and this is stupid and I don't know why this is. And he comes to the conclusion of this about his wealth and he says, we all come to the end or when we all come to the end of our lives as naked and empty handed as the day that we were born. We cannot take our right or our riches with us, which is true. But let me give you a spiritual principle. You can't take it with you, but you can send it ahead of you. Remember in Matthew 6, don't store for yourselves treasure on earth, store up treasure in heaven. Why? Because I want to have something for me when I get there. I want to have a legacy when I even step over into heaven and it won't be about the the stuff and the money. It'll be about the souls that are in heaven because I use my natural resources to impact eternity. That's what counts in heaven. It doesn't matter how much stuff I have, how big the house is, what kind of boat I got, how many cars I had, all of the trips I took. None of that will matter in eternity. The only thing Jesus is going to want to know is how many souls did you help get here? And that's why generosity matters. Why? Because there are people who have not heard the gospel and the gospel is free to receive, but it is not free to send. And it costs money. And let me just commend you. Many of you are very generous people. And so this isn't meant to somehow guilt you in anything. We're going to talk about that in just a moment. But I need to give you a perspective to understand why God has put in your hand what he has put in your hand. God does not mind us being comfortable, but sometimes he will afflict us in our comfort to wake us up. And so we need to understand these things. In 1 Timothy chapter 6, it says, Teach those who are rich in this world not to be proud. And you're like, well, pastor, that ain't me because I ain't rich. By your standard. Every person sitting in this room and the the vast majority of you watching online are in the top 2% of the world. Like, well, how do you know that? Go look at the World Bank. If you make more than $2 a day, you're in the the, top 2% of the wealthiest people on the planet. $2 a day, $60 a month. If you want perspective, that's it. Teach those who are rich in this world not to be proud and not to trust in their money, which is so unreliable. Their trust should be in God who richly gives all that we need for our enjoyment. God wants you to enjoy your life. He wants you to enjoy your stuff. He really does. Why? Because he gives it to you for your enjoyment. He says, but tell them to use their money to do good. They should be rich in good works and generous to those in need. Always being ready to share with others. Always being ready to share. Mine. Mine. You know what I had to do to get that? Like, this is, this is kind of, I'm going to tell it myself a little bit. So, Darren, I moved a couple months ago. And I have held on to a stereo 
that I bought when I graduated high school. It's been in a box for years. But the thought was, you know what I paid for that? And if I'm fully transparent, what that's really revealing is a hook in my soul. That that thing was too important. And you might have some things in your life that you need to free yourself of. This isn't an advertisement for hoarders, but <laughs> let me say it this way. Let me, again, let me, I would apologize, but I'm not sorry. So some of us, our house doesn't look like hoarders, but our soul does. And we've got lots of things that are lingering around in our soul. And we wonder, where is God in all of this? And how come I don't sense the presence of God? Because there's so much junk in our soul that's crowding out the presence of God. And we need to do some house cleaning, some soul cleaning, and saying, God, I need to get rid of some of these things because they're too important to me. And many times it's a possession And let me just, you can do a self-test here. If the Lord asked for it, would you hesitate? If the answer is yes, that's an idol. You don't have to read too far into the Bible to know what God says about idols. I will have no other God before me. You're like, well, I don't have anything like that. Okay, pull up your bank account. What if God asked you to write a check and empty it? You're like, oh, he would never. Let me, let me just help you with this. Is that God will never ask you for anything. He doesn't already have something better in mind. But it's going to require faith. You're like, well, when, when God gives me the better car, I'm going to do this. No. It requires faith. It requires faith to take a step. So he goes on here and he says, so tell them to use their money to do good, good works, generous to those in need, always being ready to share. By doing this, by doing what? By being generous, they are storing up treasure as a good foundation for the future so that they may experience true life. Look, you may be here today and you're thinking, hey, you know, you're talking about your parents scrounging up some coins at the house. That's me. Okay, so go and do what my parents did. And take that little bit that you have, because it may not seem like much, but it's a start. Because here's what I have found is God cannot release what's in his hands until I release what's in mine. And that's a nice little sweet little saying. There's actual truth in that though. As long as I'm here, God's like, man, I've got some great stuff, but I just can't let it to you. Because you got a death grip on something that's fallen apart that isn't any good. And I want to bring something that would really be a blessing. But you're going to have to let go of that. Why? Because it's gotten a hold of our soul. So he says that when we're generous, you got, you're storing up treasures in heaven. Deuteronomy 8 says this. This is about a mentality. Because it's, sometimes it's easy to believe God when we're broke. It's not so easy when we're prosperous. Because a mind shift changes. God got us here, but now it's on me to keep it and take care of it all. This is out of the message uh, paraphrase. It says, if you start uh, thinking to yourselves that I did all of this and all by myself, I'm rich and it's all mine. Well, think again. 
Remember that God, your God, gave you the strength to produce all this wealth so that he could confirm his covenant that he promised to your ancestors as it is today. What God is saying, remember that I gave you the ability. I gave you the aptitude, the skill set. I gave you the mentality that you have. I put a grace on you to do what you do. And everything is a gift from God. Which, if you think about it, when we live this way, it actually takes the pressure off of us. When we're in charge and we're in control, God, man, the weight is on us. But when I say, you know what, God, everything I got is yours. Every problem I got, it's yours. Congratulations. Have fun with it. All the the blessings in my life, it's yours. I'll, I'll give it to you. If you ask, it's yours. I'm just a steward. I'm managing what you put into my hands. One of my favorite scriptures. I have lots, but this is one of my top five. Comes in Proverbs chapter 11, 24 and 25. This is out of the message as well. But it says, the world of the generous gets larger and larger, and the world of the stingy gets smaller and smaller. Just read those words for a second. The world of the generous gets larger. The world of the stingy gets smaller. Which one do you want? You want a world that gets smaller or do you want a world that gets larger? It goes on in verse 25. It says, the one who blesses others is abundantly blessed. And those who help others are helped. Acts 20 verse 37 Paul, or really it's Luke, the the writer of Acts, makes a statement and says, he reminds them about something that Jesus had said, and he says that it's more blessed to give than to receive. And some of you, your mind just went tilting, like, no, it ain't. That's because you haven't really experienced godly generosity. In 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 6 through 8, this is out of the Good News translation, but it says, Remember that a person who plants a few seeds will have a small crop, and the one who plants many seeds will have a large crop. Smaller, larger. It's echoing the same thought. Verse 7 says that you should each give as you have decided, not out of manipulation, not out of guilt. Not out of an emotional moment. Each one should give as you have decided. Not with regret or out of a sense of duty. For God loves the one who gives gladly. Verse 8. He says, and God is able to give you more than you need. So that you will always have what you need for yourselves and more than enough for every good cause. Now I said this earlier and I really do mean this. Please do not give under guilt. I was making jokes uh, with some friends of mine from Arkansas because, of course, LSU beat the hogs yesterday. Praise the Lord. Because I don't want my phone being blown up. I was interceding and fasting that they would win that stupid game. But anyhow, so they're sending me messages the other day. They're, I mean, they, they started talking trash last week. As soon as Bama game's over, oh, we're going to get y'all this week. I'm like, y'all ain't Bama. And then look what happened. So... But no, but so anyhow, so I, I, I put a guilt trip on one of them. I won't go into all the reasons. They dressed up one of a fellow Tigers fan in a hog's outfit. And I just was 
I laid it on thick. Dara was like, man, you're really putting it on him. I'm like, yes, I am. I'm guilting them. I'm like, she died of shame. You know, I was just, huh? Dressed up, what did I say? Oh, they dressed up their dog in Arkansas attire. Atrocious. Terrible. There's some dirty people in this world, but you know, I'm just saying. But I'm just guilting them, you know. And I, but I made the statement. I said, man, I said, her face looks like one of those dogs on those commercials about those, you know, dogs in the shelter. And it's like, in the arms of the end. You know what I'm talking about? And you're like, oh, my gosh, I've got to give money. Those poor dogs. That's an emotional response to giving. And God is saying, don't do that. That's not what I'm calling you to. Because here's what happens. When we're emotional givers, we're also easily manipulated. Nobody likes to be manipulated. I can't stand it. I have reasons in my soul. I can't take it. Wow. Drives me crazy. But nobody wants to be. And that is definitely not what I'm wanting to accomplish today. What I am wanting you to do is to make a conscious decision about how you're going to honor or what you're going to do with your finances. It's your decision. There's no guilt. There's no shame. So please don't hear that. But as your pastor, I'm charged with teaching the word of God and not backing off of the word of God. And if Jesus talked about money and, and possessions, I probably should too. And by the way, I went back and looked. The last time that I taught about finances, last October. So, in case you were wondering. (laughs) This time I don't have candy for you, but how many of you remember when I gave you sugar daddies? And y'all are sitting here, well, I'm trying to preach. That's That's what I'm hearing. Sound like a bunch of... Never mind. No, we have to make a decision. Do I want to invite God into my finances or do I want to exclude Him from my finances? That's the decision. So as followers of Christ, let me, as I'm wrapping up today, it's my last scripture for you. I'll have to get to some of this other content next week. In Malachi chapter 3 though, He gives us the instructions that as followers of Christ, because right now, I mean, we have lots of, in our culture, in our society, and it's a good thing. There's actually, even at the end of this month, there's something called uh, Giving Tuesday. I don't know if you're aware of this, but it's where nonprofits across the nation, there'd be a big push. Give on Tuesday, give on Tuesday, give on Tuesday. Let me just help you biblically. I don't have any problem. You can give to whoever you want. I mean, we support ministries, we, we support different people, but we do social justice with the gospel attached. I'm not just feeding people to feed their bodies, I want to feed their soul. I want to affect their eternity. I don't want to just solve a natural problem and forget that the spiritual is actually the most important thing. So there's nothing wrong with organizations, I'm not saying anything against anybody. But as a believer, as a follower of Christ, our generosity actually starts at the church. Like, oh, I I don't know if I believe that. Well, Malachi chapter 3 says this. says, bring all the tithe into the storehouse so that there will be enough food in my temple. 
And we'll talk more about this next week, but the tithe is 10%. Of course, people always want to be all kind of like, is that off the gross or the net? I don't care. You ain't giving anyway, so either one's better than nothing. I'm sorry if that's offensive to you, but people do ask me that from time to time. It says, bring all the tithe into the storehouse. Why? So that the temple will be taken care of. God has a plan to provide for his church. And he says, hey, if everybody would just do this, the church would be able to fully function and do anything. We would have, we'd be looking for places to be generous to. That's, that's, Kyle's our business minister. Is that a true statement? He says, absolutely. Think about that. If we would just obey the word of God, we would be looking for places to be generous to. It's like God knew what he was talking about. It says, bring all the tithe into the storehouse so that there would be enough food in my temple. But God didn't stop there. And he continues, he says, if you do, if, that word if is a conditional word, means if you do what was before, then I will open the windows of heaven for you. I will pour out blessings so great on you that you won't have room enough to take it in. And then he makes this crazy statement. It's the only place in scripture that God says, just put me to the test. I dare you. I double dog dare you. Just try me. Just try me and see if I won't do this. I didn't say this. God's word says this. Again, God never asks you for anything that he doesn't have something better in mind. And he said, man, try me. He didn't even say, trust me. I like that. Because we would think, oh, put your faith in me. He said, no, just double dog dare you. Now, I know some of you, and we'll talk about this more next week. Some of you are going to be like, well, tithing is under the Old Testament. So is murder. So is adultery. So are a lot of things. And the standard's higher in the New Testament. I'll show you this next week. So, just kind of keep that in mind. This is the Old Covenant, the Old Testament. Here's the New Testament. It's different. In the Old Testament, it was law to tithe. In the New Testament, it's a choice. It's an invitation. It's not a have to, it's an I get to. It's very different. Why? Because it's a heart issue. That's why the Bible talks about money and possession so much. It's a heart issue. So let me ask you a question. How many of you have some goals or desires in your life? You got things in your life. You're like, man, I would like to one day own a home. I'd like to go on this vacation. You got some goals. You got some things in mind. Okay, let let me add something for your consideration. Do you have any generosity goals? Like, I'll give you one of mine. I don't normally share things like this because it ain't happened, but... And I probably won't ever tell you if I get to do it. One of my goals is to give somebody a house. Now, I can't give what I don't own. I want to literally hand somebody the keys to the house and say, here's your home. That's a big goal. Am I close? Not really. But here's what I know. That goal gives me something to strive for. That goal gives me something that makes me sacrifice today. Because one day, by the grace of God, I'll do that. And it won't be because of my paycheck. 
I can tell you that. It will be because God has been faithful. And God has given us opportunities. And God has given us favor in places. And we have sown. And because we were faithful with what God put in our hand, God's going to say, hey, I, I, I'm going to give you the desires of your heart. And that really is the desire of my heart. But I'm not going to just one day wake up and be like, oh, I get to give a house away today. My faith is because, I mean, I don't care if it's paid for or not. That's a huge step. But that, I mean, I've had that desire in my heart for years. I had that desire before I'd ever bought my first house. But what are your generosity goals? Like, ah, well, one day I'll get there. Probably not. You got to start where you are. You may have change in your hand today. But your change can become a lot with the grace of God. Why? Because His grace gets involved. And you can see God do things even financially. And so generosity is like any other habit. Consistency makes the difference. Just start where you are. Start where you are. And say, God, I'm going to honor you. Because it really is about honor. Honor. Let me say it this way. Somebody can demand our respect, but honor can only be given. And yet the Bible says that we honor the Lord with our giving. Why is this so important? I said it earlier. Because it wars against the selfishness in our soul. It really does. And we all deal with this. And so we need to start where we are. Start with what you have. God's not asking you for what you don't have. And some of you may have to make some adjustments to your life. You're like, oh my gosh. You mean God would ask me to go without something? He might. But he has something better in mind. It just may not show up exactly when you want. But God has something better in mind. So we have to make these decisions. And again, it's not because we have to. It's because we want to. We get to. I mean, I look forward to the day of, of signing a house away to somebody. I mean, one of my dad's goals when he was younger, he said, I want to start tithing on what I get paid today. That's a pretty ambitious goal. I want my tithe to be what they write me for my paycheck. That's going to require faith to get there. It's going to take effort. It's a process of time. But God is faithful. He's faithful to you. And look, your generosity and somebody else's look totally different. God doesn't care about the amount. He cares about your heart. He really does. But I believe, and I'm going to pray this this morning over you, is that as you're faithful to make important to you what's important to God, God gets involved in your finances. And just as it says here in Malachi chapter 3, that he's going to open the windows of heaven. He's going to pour out blessing into your life. Look, some of you may have questions and say, man, I don't understand all this. There's a little slide that pops up here every now and says, got questions? Send them. They come to me. I will give you an answer to your question. And set up a phone call. We'll talk about it. We can meet, whatever. I don't care. And again, this isn't a guilt thing. Please, please, please hear my heart. Is that there's actually the grace of God. We'll look at this probably next week or maybe in week three. And the Apostle Paul said, man, see to it that you excel in the grace of giving. Not just that you do it, see that you excel in it. 
But I want to pray this morning that even as... And look, this is what I'll just tell you. I'm going to pray that God confirms the word. Because I've intentionally not given you a lot of stories or a lot of extras. I've read a lot of scripture today. Because I want your faith not to be in what I said. I want your faith to be in the word of God. Because God doesn't watch over my words to make it happen. He watches over his word to make it happen. And I'm going to pray that as you begin to take steps of faith. And again, just start where you are. That God's going to do exactly what he said in his word. He says, if you try me, I'm going to respond. So let's pray this morning. Father God, I just thank you so much for today. Father, I thank you for your word. Father, I thank you that your word is true, whether it's concerning our healing, concerning our provision, concerning uh, any other area of our life, our, 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 our mental health. Father, I thank you that your word is true, that it brings life and blessing into us. And so, Father, I thank you. That even right now, that Father, that, you're, that you would be the one to confirm your word in our hearts. Father, that you would stir up faith to trust you, believe you, to walk in obedience to your word. Father, because you desire to pour out your goodness and your blessing in our lives. And so, Father, I thank you. Father, for faith rising up on the inside of us, Father, to, to see your blessings and, and to see all that you desire to pour out in our life come to pass, Father, just as it says there in Malachi, that you would open up the windows of heaven, Father, that you would pour out so much blessing, Father, that we would, it'd be more than we could even hold on to, but Father, it would just enable us to be a greater blessing moving forward. So Father, I thank you for it in Jesus name.